Hey, I'm Bruce Weinstein, and this is the podcast Cooking with Bruce and Mark. And I'm Mark Scarborough, and together with Bruce, we have written over three dozen cookbooks, and now I have to say, welcome to the fourth season of the podcast Cooking with Bruce and Mark. We have started anew with a different format. As you may know, our first season is all about making dishes. Our second season was all a how-to. Our third season was a, I don't know what, a hodgepodge of interviews. (laughs) It's a real food magazine. Yeah, a food magazine. And now what we're doing is we're concentrating on a single thing in each episode. We're going to start with a cooking tip, the famed one-minute cooking tip. Then we're going to go on and do something in the second segment, whether that is cook a recipe, have an interview, talk about food, and then we'll tell you what's making us happy in food this week. So we might as well get started. Our one-minute cooking tip. Whenever I turn the oven on, I think about what else I can make at the same time. If I'm baking potatoes to go with a steak, well, I'll throw a tray of eggplant slices in so I could have eggplant parm another night. Is this a one-minute cooking tip or a lesson in how to be OCD? <laughs> if I'm baking lasagna, maybe I'll throw a few sweet potatoes in the oven what? so I have them for a salad at lunch the next day. This- it saves time, saves electricity, and allows me to have something to eat beyond the meal I'm currently making. Well... I guess that's our one-minute cooking tip. Think what else you can cook in your oven. In this episode of the podcast, Cooking with Bruce and Mark, we are going to actually make a recipe. So we're going to go into the kitchen and pull together, believe it or not, an air-fried version of chicken char siu. Most people know char siu as pork, or it's pork char siu, but what is char siu? In Chinese markets, it's usually pork, right? And right. it's barbecued, right. and it's hanging in the front of the store right. or in we, the back of we, the store. We often call it street meat, but yes, <laughs> street beast or street meat. Yes, exactly. And lately, I have found packaged, ready-to-grill Chinese marinated pork and chicken labeled char siu. And yes, even at my local supermarkets, I have some things at the Big Y, which is a big New England chain. But usually that stuff is just sweet soy, almost like teriyaki. And maybe they put some red food coloring in it. Okay, we're going to make a traditional marinade. We're going to put it on untraditional meat. Using chicken. And we're going to make it in an air fryer because, you know, we're all about air frying with all our air frying books. You know all about all that stuff. So here we go. Let's get started. So I've got a big bowl here, and you need a big bowl. Don't pull out some little salad bowl. You need a big (laughs) mixing bowl, or as my mother would call it, or as my grandmother would call it, a big stirring bowl. You need a big bowl we to do We called it a salad thing. bowl when a I was a salad bowl? Because that was always the biggest bowl we had in the house was the big red enameled salad bowl, and that was like the biggest mixing bowl we had. Okay. Well, anyway, you need the biggest thing you have. And here's what we're going to put in here. We're going to start with a quarter cup of hoisin sauce. Now, if you don't know about hoisin sauce, that is a, well, it's supposed to be a sweet potato paste, but now they <laughs> make it been, from all kinds of It's things. barely been made with sweet potatoes in the last uh, how many dynasties? I don't know. A lot. But you can find it in even supermarkets. Yeah, you can. It's hoisin sauce. And then we, I'm going to add a quarter cup of brown, what, brown sugar. What is this? Well, what, I like, what kind of brown sugar I is like this? I like using light brown sugar in this, but I think dark brown sugar probably is a better choice. I, I just have this thing about light brown sugar. Okay, and what in the hell is <clears> this stuff? Mm, a third of a cup of red fermented bean curd. What? Wait, what? Mark has asked me what it is because there's, not a, there's not a word of English on this bottle. This what? bottle is all in Chinese. 
Chinese, the little square bottle. So this is tofu, but it's not stinky tofu. And Oh, well, thank heavens. If you know about stinky tofu, uh, well, it's not what this is. This is tofu cubes that are brined and preserved, and sometimes it's called tofu cheese. It comes oh, in— that didn't make it sound better. <laughs> it comes in uh, varieties that are red or white. Most oh. Americans don't know what it is. So what is it? It actually is one of those foods that I think could have been on Fear Factor. Remember that show where people would have to eat yeah, all sorts uh, yeah, of gross well, I'm things? I'm Fear Factored right now. A third a cup of red fermented so bean curd. So it's basically you start with fresh bean curd, and then they, they age it and ferment it with salt, with rice wine, and flavorings. Um, actually, in Cantonese, it's called fuyi. And you... Oh, my gosh. Please don't write in about that pronunciation. <laughs> I can feel the idiocy of that pronunciation. But do go on. And it is used mostly as a flavoring agent, not as a main protein. It's okay. salty. Why is it red? Mostly the red comes from red rice yeast. That is the oh. ingredient that turns it okay. red. So, so, okay, so what am I supposed to do with all this stuff? So you're going to take a fork, and I want you to mash up that fermented bean curd red oh. cheese with the hoisin and the brown sugar oh. till it's a smooth. You're doing good. Till it's a smooth paste. Mm. Mm. Is it supposed to look like something in a baby diaper? Is well, that what it's supposed to? Well, I guess if your baby's having bloody. Yeah, I was about to say, if well. it's coming out anyway, red, seek medical do you know attention. the woman in TikTok? Maybe you don't, as I do this, who always says everybody's so creative. Everyone's so creative. Notice how that looks like something you never want to eat, but we're going <laughs> to. Well, that's what I feel like. I feel like she said, notice how that looks like something, yeah, you don't want to eat. Well, that's okay, how it's supposed so to look. Now, I'm going to pour into that a third of a cup of soy, and I'm not Do you using... want me to keep mixing? No, you could stop. Okay. And I'm not using low-sodium soy in this. Why? This is a marinade, this is a brine, this is a salty dish, and to balance that soy, I'm using two tablespoons of honey for a little sweetness, and I'm putting two tablespoons of Shaoxing wine, which is a rice cooking wine, and one teaspoon of Chinese five spice, and Mark, what is in five spice powder? It's a traditional, like five spice powder is a traditional mix of cinnamon, sometimes cardamom, fennel, there's, honestly, there's as many versions of five spice as probably there are Chinese home cooks. Mm. I know when you go in the store, you just see this bottle of five spice. But you know, the thing is, you can buy a little tiny jar of it in almost any supermarket, and it's worth having it a last a while, so I would just go ahead and, and wait, use what it. what is this last ingredient? Uh, red food coloring. Wait, isn't that cancer? No. It's actually usually insects. It's that carmine oh. red, and it's made from ground-up dried insects. Uh, so we really are at Fear Factor. Okay, so... <laughs> a few drops. It really gives it that beautiful charsu golden red that you want. Okay, so... So mix those up. Let's get all that mixed up. Okay. There, that's good. It's... This seems wrong. I mean, I don't know. I don't know why it seems wrong to you me. You know what seems wrong, and this is interesting. Notice how there's no garlic, there's no ginger, except for whatever ground gingers in that five spice powder, okay. and no scallions. Uh, okay. The holy trinity of Asian cooking and Chinese cooking, and it's none of those Was are in here. Was that racist? That felt racist. Was that racist? The holy trinity of Chinese cooking? I don't know. Is that? I don't know. I don't know. Um, let's skip over that. <laughs> Because okay. maybe garlic, ginger, and scallions is the holy trinity of Armenian cooking. Oh, well, maybe it is. Okay, now we're going to pull out a cutting board and we pull out a knife. 
And we have one pound of boneless, skinless chicken thighs. Okay. And I'm only cutting off the large blobs of fat because, quite honestly, when this air fries, I want those the fat on it to get crispy and a little burn, but I don't want all this fat. So I'm just slicing off some of the larger pieces, but I'm keeping the big chunks of chicken thighs whole. And now we're going to add them to that marinade you I just made. I believe the culinary term is plop them in. We're going to plop them in. We've got this in here, and I've stirred it around a little bit. Mm-hmm. And now what we're going to do is cover this in plastic wrap mm-hmm. and set it in the fridge for six hours. Um, you can't do it up to 24 on the day ahead. Okay, w- when we stick this in the fridge, great. Okay, in it goes. Now. Talk to me about this red fermented bean curd. Where in the world does one find this? I found it in the little town of Great Barrington, Massachusetts, in a Japanese uh, grocery store. And he has a lot of all sorts of Chinese okay, and that's Japanese great. markets. Um, any so Asian, if you live in Oregon, you just drive to Great Barrington, Massachusetts. If and there is up. an Asian supermarket near you, they should have it. And if you don't have one near you, you can go online. There are so many online Asian markets from yammybuy.com to gogofresh to Posharp store. So there are just Google red fermented bean curd. You will find square jars without any English writing on them, and that's what you're looking for. And why is this essential to the dish? There's an umaminess to this Tofu, that when you know umami being that other sense that's not sweet, not salty, and it's savory, and it adds a depth of earthiness, of flavor, of it's almost indescribable, but without it, there's a huge difference in taste, right. Okay, and let me say one more thing before we get on to air frying this. We're going to actually have to cut away and let this marinate. Before we get on to air frying it in a minute, let's just say for a minute that we did use the Shaoxing wine, the the rice wine. It is traditional in Chinese cooking. If you don't have Shaoxing, the best substitute is dry sherry because it has a slightly woody flavor to it. It's the better substitute than vermouth or any kind of white wine. If you want to dump the alcohol completely from the dish itself, then what I would suggest that you use is a little bit of unsweetened cranberry juice. It's probably the closest you can get. Some people say you should use unsweetened prune juice for a Shaoxing substitute, but I always think that's too far. But you can dump the alcohol from this, but just be mindful of the fact that most of the alcohol here will cook out well. Not all. And plus, the food's not going to absorb that much alcohol to begin with, and then what it might have will cook off. But okay, we're going to come back after this has been marinated 24 hours and cook it. Here's the air fryer, and it is going. It's at 400 degrees, and we are heating it up. Now, this is really debatable. And a lot of people debate this endlessly. And we have a theory because we've written so many air frying books. We have a theory about heating the air fryer. You want to talk about that? It's called do it. (laughs) Basically do it. And I get questions all the time in our essential air fryer group on Facebook where you can come and talk to us and ask questions. I get questions on our YouTube channel with the air fryer recipes all the time that say, well, my recipe says I don't have to, or my new air fryer says I don't have to. All the online gurus of air frying say, you know, essentially put the 
crap in there and turn and it on. And they're telling you that so that they think you're making your life easier. And are they? Well, sure, you're making your life easier, but you're not making your food better. Right. And it doesn't take but two to three minutes at most for an air fryer to heat up. So heat it up. You want that little sizzle on the bottom on the cooking right. tray. Right. You want the instantly to have the marinade, the coating, whichever on it, to start to set and not yeah, blow what, off. What we've discovered is that this has nothing to do with the recipe we're making now, but the lighter coatings actually, because they don't immediately set mm-hmm. in the heat, they can actually blow off or get uneven and waggly on top if it's a batter-like mm-hmm. coating, say with breadcrumbs over that. So you really, really want to heat your air fryer. So we've got this thing up to 400 degrees. I'm going to open the drawer and I'm going to lay these chicken thighs in there using kitchen tongs he said the chef wants to use his hands but always um, the, your hands no. are the best tools and you gross, have in the gro- kitchen uh, fingernails gross <laughs> food safety so using kitchen tongs, gross and if they touch it's okay it's a d- if your hands touch no if the chicken thighs touch oh, okay. and you just don't want to make a solid wall of them so as long as air can get around that's okay, okay. if yours is not big enough to fit all of your thighs in there oh are we still talking about cooking mm-hmm. then you're gonna have to do it in batches we're using oh are we still talking about cooking <laughs> Your fault. So ours fit, and because I have this like supersized giant double vortex thing, which is really pretty amazing, and I am going to close it up and let this go ten minutes. At which point we're going to flip them. Okay, so ten minutes are over, and these are pretty sizzly already. They're They're blackened on the edges, which is nice. That's because all the sugar that's in it and the fat we left on the chicken. Yeah, because there's sugar in the hoisin. There's the honey that we've put in it. Brown sugar. Yeah, there's the brown sugar. And then there's that red fermented bean curd going Mm, on. mm, So it's mm. blackening up like char siu, except again, we're using chicken thighs and we're air frying it. So this is so weird. We're using a very traditional marinade, but a very non-traditional meat. And and a very non-traditional cooking method. Yeah, and method for this. <laughs> so I'm going to turn them. Okay. And each one of these, oh God, you can see, look at that beautiful crispy edges are going to get right. even more crispy. It looks a little lacquered. I've seen recipes where people insist on brushing them with more honey at this point. We're saving back some of that marinade and brushing it on. Now, I think that's overdoing it. Personally, after testing this recipe a number of times, I think the flavor is best to just turn them. So back in and another 10 minutes and then they'll be done. Okay, so we're done, and let me just say that, uh, remind you that if you're going to make this recipe of two things, one, the recipe itself exists in the program notes to this episode, so you can just look down in the player, in the Apple program notes, in the Spotify program notes, and you'll find this recipe, so let me just say that. And two, let me also say that if you have to do this in batches, put the remaining chicken thighs back in the fridge, Mm. because after all, it is 20 minutes of cooking. And I want to say something about people who are going to write and say, can I make this with chicken breast? The answer is, can you? Of course you can. Will it be good? Not in my opinion. No. This is something that really requires the dark meat, the juiciness of the dark meat, the fat of the dark meat. You're cooking this a long time. 20 minutes is a long time for a boneless, flattened out, skinless chicken thigh. But you want that lacquer on it. You want these beautiful golden edges that we have. Quit talking. All right, I'm going to slice up one of these. Really, honestly, stop talking. Okay, and now we are going to taste this. 
Yeah, um, I'm sorry. I'm stepping away because I'm blowing on it. I don't want to blow into the mic. <laughs> Mark has this theory that you shouldn't blow on your foods. I'm and surprised I, he's even blowing on his food. But it's too hot. It just came out of the machine. But, it's you never know, too hot in, for in, me. The, in the spirit of a podcast, here we go. This, to me, S- tastes like Chinatown. Yeah, it, it is an amazing replication of flavors without the pork. <laughs> It's salty, it's sweet, it's umami. What I want to do with these, because there's a lot of them here, is I want to slice them up and I want to make some homemade rice noodles and Mm. stir-fry that for dinner. The stir-fried rice noodles with the homemade char siu chicken Mm. and some Mm. scallions and garlic Mm. and a little splash of black soy sauce. Oh, God, that would be so good. Okay, let me just say before we step away from this actual cooking adventure, which (laughs) I had my doubts about with that red tofu, but okay. And the red food coloring. Oh, God. Optional. Optional. Oh, gosh. Anyway, um, let me just say that, again, this recipe lives in the show notes of whatever player you're looking at this on, Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, or if you're just looking at it on the player on our website, you can find the recipe there. And let me also say that there is a video of Bruce making this on TikTok. Mm-hmm. So if you join our TikTok channel, Cooking with Bruce and Mark, you can actually see Bruce make these, not as we did here. It's a very fast cut video. What, it takes like about 90 seconds yep, to get the whole thing seconds. done. So it's a very fast cut video, but still and nonetheless, you'll get the idea of how it goes. And so, you'll see what that red tofu cubes look like. Yeah. You will. So there you go. There's a cooking episode of Cooking with Bruce and Mark. We got so many listener requests that we return to cooking podcast episodes. And so here we are. Some people said that they missed the cooking spicy content. So I hope that we've given you spicy content here. I'm a little over the top. And let's move on to the typical last section of our podcast, What's Making Us Happy in Food This Week. Homemade creme de cassis liqueur. Oh, wow. Mark is How an am- fancy. Well, Mark is an amazing gardener, and many of you may know this. And he has these beautiful black currant bushes right outside of our front door. And this year, I, I got a bumper crop of almost ten pounds of black currants, or in French, cassis. And I made jelly, of course, but I had lots left over. So I mushed them up and I steeped them for three weeks in a bottle of Everclear, which, in case you don't know, is like 190 proof grain alcohol. Anybody who's been to college knows what Everclear (laughs) is. Anyone. And then I strained that out in a jelly bag and I mixed it with simple syrup and it is delicious. It is wild. I have to say that I'm going to say one thing about this, that um, I'm a total renegade. (laughs) Because when I planted those black currant bushes in New England, they were illegal. You couldn't have black currants. And I'm not exactly sure what the legality of it, but it was at the time illegal. So it was like growing pot (laughs) in my garden. It was a total illegal substance, allegedly. Like someone's going to arrest me for black currants. What's making me happy in food this week is French press coffee. I don't know if you ever have a French press at home, but I love French Explain press coffee. Explain what it is. So, right, a French press is a, a coffee maker where you put the grounds in the bottom. It's a glass carafe. You put the grounds in the bottom. You pour the it should be just on the verge of boiling water, not yet boiling water, over the grounds. You put the plunger in the carafe. You wait. I, I, I like really strong coffee, so I wait five or six minutes. You push the plunger down. The grounds go to the bottom, and then you pour off the coffee from it. And the coffee is super smooth, super delicious. 
I'm having a great time having French press in the mornings, and I'm enjoying every sip. And let me just say that French press does require a very coarsely ground coffee. Yes. You do not use the same grinds that you would put in a drip pot. No. It must be very, very coarse. They'll all slip through the filter, and it's a mess. And also, let me just also say, since I love French press coffee, that it is a real mess to clean up. (laughs) It's ridiculous. I line a colander with paper towels, and then I have to pour the grinds into it and keep washing the carafe until I get all the grinds out of it and through the paper towel and the strainer, and then I throw that away. And that's because we live in the country and we're on septic. If you're not on septic, coffee grinds won't really hurt it too much if you got some down the drain, but not with a septic system. I don't even know about septic, I mean non-septic. I don't even know. We've lived so remote for so long on septic. I don't even know about real town. Yeah, your your town, yeah, your town probably wouldn't like it if you were dumping coffee grounds down there. No, probably not. (laughs) But, um, okay. Anyway, so there you go. That's our show uh, in the fourth season, our first episode of Cooking with Bruce and Mark. We actually cooked the dish live. It took us a while because we had to let that chicken marinate. So it's been kind of a labor of weirdness to get get to this point. But it was really delicious chicken. And we hope that you enjoyed the new and revamped Cooking with Bruce and Mark. And we still have our group, Cooking with Bruce and Mark, on Facebook. So please go to Facebook, join the group, join the conversation. We post episodes, we post videos. We talk about recipes, so we'll see you there, and we'll see you back here for another episode of Season 4, Cooking with Bruce and Mark.